Hello, welcome to the Savage Southerner podcast. My name is Paul H and we're here to talk all about folk music. Now, if you have listened to my first podcast, my little introduction into the world of podcasting, uh, I did touch that uh, folk music was one of the first genres, the first genre of music that I was um, introduced to. Uh, long story short, my father's Australian, he loves folk music, my mum loves folk music, but Australian, Australian folk music was always being played in my house. Excuse me. Yeah, we used to get, ta- and we get taken down to the local folk club, and I could just picture the scene. Uh, we were, it was a room above a pub, uh, sometimes they had the, t- the tables, well, the chairs set out in a circle, and you'd have everyone there with their own instrument, and they'd all play a tune, and take turns, and then they'd all play tunes together, and yeah, it was a, it was a beautiful atmosphere, beautiful atmosphere. Or they'd have the tables and chairs set up more like a restaurant y affair, and there'd be like, the, at the very end of the room, people would go up and play on that, like as if it was a sort of stage uh, sort of thing. Now, the quick history of folk music it's hundreds of years old for a start. For a start, it's, and I mean hundreds of years old. It got the name folk music because it is predominantly I'm not sure about now, but uh, definitely predominantly folk music was written by the lower classes in the old class structure. It's more it's more of a working class music and was sneered at from above. They say oh common music, common people and of course way back when common people, the common folk and the common folk that were writing the music were like, well, there's a big fuck you to it. We'll take that folk, we'll put it in front of the music, and now we got folk music. Have that. The uh, the choice of instruments in folk music is very, very vast. Again, originally, you're looking at acoustic. Well, you're looking at acoustics because they weren't any bloody electric instruments back in the day when folk music started. But the instruments used, yes, um, you're looking at uh, an acoustic guitar. More often than not, obviously more than not. I mean, some a lot of folk singers did just go a cappella, and all they went was they went to the venue and just sung straight without any musical accompaniment. But when we're talking about the introduction of instruments, there'd probably be at least an acoustic guitar, if nothing else. Uh, we'll go through the other stringed instruments that were commonly used. Would be a fiddle. The fiddle was a... I think that came in most big popular from Ireland. Uh, you had uh, mandolins. They were like... They had, it was a small... Like a, like a tiny guitar with like a, a, a teardrop-shaped back to it. And a short little neck. Had uh, yeah had eight strings. At, uh, tuned at a higher pitch. Tuned it like the pitch uh, violin strings are tuned in. And you got a very a very high chirping sound out of it you know because you've got like strumming eight strings uh with a with a main chord but uh yeah beautiful sound beautiful sound and you also had there was an instrument it was it basically it looked like a a, a big mandolin so you had the small bottle had the, still had the small body to it but uh, a longer neck a neck more like um more like a guitar and that's got i had some weird name to it weird name it's called like a a bazooki or something like that. I swear that's what it's called. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit crazy to look at. Harps were used in folk music. Normally, n- not your big classical style harps. 
but you know people would take like a small harps often people would use a jaw harp if you're confused about what that is so am i it's like a this strange little like curved shaped instrument that had a string in the middle and you plucked the string up and down and that made like a ding your ding sound and people would like put it on rest it on the in between your teeth with like and as you flicked that little uh, that little um, string bit with it it went ding dong ding dong ding dong and yeah a jaw harp uh, and along with that you got what's called a harpsichord which uh, my dad's got one of them He's also got a jaw harp, I think, come to that. And my mum's got a um, got a harp, but that's more of a classical-style harp. But uh, anyway, I digress. Moving on. Harpsichord. Yeah, so you've got, like, the shape of a harp, and you've got, like, loads of strings. And at the bottom, you've got, like, the keys. Like, you'd sort of have on a, on a piano, you know, like piano keys. And you could, uh, you'd make the shape of the chord with the keys. You'd strum it, and you'd get a C if you're... If you put down the positions for a C or a G or a D or a whatever else. But uh, yeah, those are the main, I think those are all the harps. Well, they're all the harp instruments that I know of that uh, have been used in folk music. The banjo, can't forget that. That's my dad's main instrument of choice. But he can actually play a lot of the instruments I'm going to list off. But uh, yeah, he plays a five-string banjo, which is a popular one with uh, America. Because you get that bluesgrass style playing if uh, if anyone's uh, heard of the uh, the tune the Julian banjos off uh, the film Deliverance uh, that's the sort of uh, banjo that was used there a five string one because you can and you and you can like if you want to you can just like play loud chord whole chords with it um, people normally want to see something fancy with the banjo but you can just strum them out as a main chord to get a very effective uh, musical accompaniment. Uh, A good example of that would be Luke Kelly, but I'll touch on that when I touch on the Dubliners when I start talking about Irish folk. Yeah, the other banjo you could get is what's called a tenor banjo, and you've just got the four strings on a tenor banjo, and as I say, you, you you don't normally play a whole chord you pick the notes out on the tenor banjo, uh, you know, like yeah, like more of an instrumentally feel to it, and that one's that. Uh, next, with folk music, there is a list. I tell you, uh, more popular, with, especially over in Ireland, you've got your tin whistles, which are like a little, it's a whistle uh, made out of tin. Clues in the name, uh, but people also do use uh, flutes, all different types of flutes, like. Wood, wooden flutes, metal flutes, uh, bagpipes, uh, Northum- Northumbrian pipes, which are like a small pipes that people play like on the lap rather than up in the air. Obviously, you've got resonator guitars, but they're more used in country than they are folk. Um, my parents were big into country music as well. I probably won't say loads about country. To be fair, uh, outside of Johnny Cash and a couple of songs from a couple of musicians. I don't really know that much country music. I know what I like. I do like a lot of country that I've heard. You know, it's not the. It's not to be fair. It's not the sort of genre I could give a lot of info on. But uh, yeah, now and again, resonator guitars are used in folk bands. But again, that's normally more D 
down the line we're talking about. Right, next would be the squeeze boxes. Now, what I mean by them, you've got the big, your big squeeze boxes, your, your concertinas, which are large, and again, you've got the keys for like a piano on one side of the concertina, and on the other side, you've got these like little buttons that you push in to get little melodies out of it from the key that you're playing. So with one hand, you're pushing the buttons to make the key of whatever. Let's say C again. And on the other hand, you'd use, you'd run the fingers down along the keys to get a melody out of the chord that you're playing. Now, the other type of squeeze boxes, a uh, little bit more, I wouldn't say they're more popular, but they're uh, more often seen. I think that's because the concertinas might just be a lot more difficult to play because of the size of the bloody things. But uh, it would be um, a melodeon. And those are like the little ones that you'd expect, like, you know, you see pictures of, like, people take them, you know, on the old days when they go shipping, you'd, have, you'd either have a fiddle player or you'd have a melodeon player. And again, it's the same, it's the same thing, basically. But again, you don't have the uh, piano keys on one side. You've basically got buttons on both sides. One button be the chords. The other buttons would play the melody that you wanted to get. And that's that. And we're not done yet. Uh, percussion instruments would be the next one for folk music. Now, these range very differently, very different shapes, sizes. Um, in some Australian bands, they might use a didgeridoo. It's not really a percussion instrument, granted, but it's definitely a famous instrument. But, uh, yeah, my dad actually made a percussion instrument once. It was a... It was, I, I, I always called a sh- I mean, you could call it a shaker, but you could also call it a beater. What it was, he had what he had a he had a stick, and on top of this long stick, he had like a rectangular shape. And on that rectangular shape, he uh, nailed in a shitload of steel caps that you used to get on the old like you know fizzy pop the glass bottles. You have like the steel cap on it, and he collected shitloads of these and yeah nailed them all into the um, rectangular shape on top of the stick. He had a load of silver ones that spelt out the word G'day on it. <laughs> if anyone's unsure, G'day is uh, it's like an Australian greeting term. You know, we've got, hello, how are you? They've got G'day. Yeah, you, you could, you could, so you could shake it. When you shaked it, it made a noise because of all of the, uh, all of the metal uh, bottle caps would, would shake. Clues in the name. But because he had it attached to a long stick, you could also like thud the stick to the ground to get the shake. So it'd be like, dunch, 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 dunch. And the other thing he'd done, he'd cut some grooves into one side of the uh, stick, the, the handle, if you like, the handle stick. And he had a separate stick, which he used to scrape along it. Like, you know, like you're walking along, if you're walking along the railings and you've got a stick, you put it in the railings go to make that ding 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 sound as your hand got between the railings. Well, he would use the stick, scrape it along the um the handle, and then maybe to get the shake sound. So it'd be like scrape, stomp, shake, like uh, or you could or you just use the other stick and just hit it if you didn't want to like dum dum dum. He just like. Yeah, so you'd have the shaker stood up and hit it with the stick, dunk. And every time you hit the stick, dunk, the uh, the bottle caps would shake. And so, yeah, it was a 
I suppose a lot of people would say it'd be quite similar to a um, well, like Morris dancer. Morris dancing, they have like uh, percussion instruments often. But sometimes they just have sticks. Uh, but they clap the sticks together and makes the percussion sound. I think there probably even is folk bands around that have that. The stick player. Which I don't mind. But I am a struggling musician. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I play my instruments, you know, diligently. Diligent rehearsals. Been playing guitar for decades. Absolute decades. Haven't got very far with it. Along comes someone. Uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in a famous uh, folk band. Oh, wow, really, mate? What'd you play? I play the stick. What? I play the stick. Ding, ding. I hit this stick next to that stick. Fuck off. You know, it works. Again, folk music, common music. They, That was... I think that's what... That is the beauty about folk music. They're just like, all right, fair enough. We'll be the common lot in the corner. We'll just put a load of stuff together and make our own music. And you can all fuck off. But it worked. I mean, folk music is a... You know, I mean... It, it's carried a lot of weight in the centuries it's been going. And, you know, I mean, some songs, people don't even know the original writer of a lot of these songs. You could, like, type in, I don't know, some random song title, and it you could you, what you'll find is traditionally arranged by blah, blah, blah. But blah, blah, blah didn't write this song. It was written by someone else because it's hundreds of years old. But uh, yeah, that is the beauty of uh, folk music for me. Oh, mustn't also forget also get drums. We'll go with to go with percussion. Got to include drums. Now you don't normally get much in the way of drummers in folk bands. Not the old bands. Uh, you might get a bongo player, maybe someone on the bongos. Um, quite popularly, quite often you will get a uh, baran drum player. If we're talking Irish roots. Again, I think I, I think I did mention I do. I've got a baran drum of my own. I play it. I'm not like you know. Well, I, I wouldn't join a band as a baran drum player at the moment. Yeah, again, it's got like this beautiful hollow sound to it, which uh, the pitch is kept very tight to by the uh, beating of the little stick that you're using to it. So, you know, because you as soon as you hit the stick, hit it with the stick, it uh it stops the hollowness. If you just hit it once, you're like Dong, dong, dong. Boring. And uh, yeah, I'm just remembering my when I first started learning the thing. That was it. I remember my dad saying, "You know, mate, if you get you can get a towel and put it against the skin so it won't sound so fucking loud." As I say, I've gotten better. I've gotten better. I'll give myself some credit. But yeah, uh, what else is there? Harmonicas. You do get harmonica players quite often. Obviously, Dylan was famous for it. Considered a genius because he could play the guitar and the harmonica at the same time. I wouldn't say it was a genius. I mean, it, I, I can't do it. And full credit to those who can because it does look... It's a really cool image. I will give it that. Uh, my dad can do it. Of course he can. <laughs> he can't play Eruption. I can play Eruption. He can't. But, of course, Eruption's not, not a fucking folk song, is it? But uh, anyway, not the point. So yeah, that's pretty much the basic uh, instruments that you'll probably see in your everyday average folk band. I'm sure I might have missed an instrument out here or there. Those are the those are, those are the basics covered, plus a few extras. I'm not sure with the many people are aware. Oh, oh, tambourines, you know, another percussion one, another shaking instrument. 
But anyway, Australian folk, here are some options if you are interested. Now, the most common, I suppose, I mean, they've been going for 30, 40 something years. See, again, this is the good thing about folk music. It doesn't lose its appeal. I mean, yeah, a lot of folk fans probably are about as old as the members of the band that are still playing. But that said, younger people are still into it as well. Uh, it's difficult. I mean, it's it's not on. Well, you know, it's not all over the news, is it? You know, it's not all over the news. It's not in the charts. Common music, common people, common folk. But yeah, obviously, if you were listening to if you listening to music for like over thirty odd years, it it keeps its charm and its humour. You know, which uh, Australian folk music is very well known for. And so yeah, yeah the Bushwhackers band. Uh, a bushwhacker is an Australian term for a man or a woman who spends most of their time in the bush. The bush, you know, that's obviously that's the wilder parts of Australia. The choice of work would be few and far between. But yeah, here's a I'll give you a list of a couple of their a couple of their songs, a couple of their biggins, ones that are definitely worth a listen to if you're at all interested in uh, catching up on some Australian folk music. One it's called South Australia. You might even know this. Uh, an English-Irish folk rock band called The Pogues. I'm sure people are aware of them. They done a version of uh, this song off one of their albums, it's, uh, so you might you might well know it from them. But yeah, a song called South Australia, which is uh, pretty much about South Australia. So yeah, that's a good song. Uh, the Lime Juice Tub, which is about uh, yes, a song about a shearer. A shearer of sheep. Clear your mind, people. Have an open mind. Next are the Rybuck Shearer, and that's a belter. I love that song. Me and my dad, we, I mean, the, the songs I'm listing off now, these, these are the sort of songs me and my dad always play whenever we have a jam. And, uh, yeah, the Rybuck Shearer, is very, that's a very funny song. There's a, there's a line, I think it's like the third, fourth, fourth verse. As a as a bloke up north, or so I've heard, he's got a face like a dried up buffalo's turd. If you think that is bad, mate, you ought to see his bird. And of course, she's a Rybuck shearer. And oh, it's it's just a funny, it's a funny song. Another shearing. There's a lot of songs about shearing of the shearing of sheep. But again, that's because that was that that was one of the main job offers in the sort of like. More wild, uh, more rural uh, area, parts of Australia. Uh, it's a Flash Jack from Gundagai. An example of a ballad uh, would be Shores of Botany Bay. A lot of Australian folk music comes from Ireland. How did they get it? Well, the English uh, shipped Irish criminals to Australia. It's a funny sort of sentencing, right? For, for this crime, I'm sentencing you to go spend... The rest of your life in a wonderful tropical climate. Just watch out for the spiders and you'll be fine. So yeah, that would be a ballad. Uh, a lot of Ned Kelly songs. I, that was the first song I learned on bass guitar was uh, Poor Ned Kelly. Uh, which, was, again, that was a ballad style. It wasn't a live... It wasn't what I'd call a lively song. It was like a ballad of uh, Ned Kelly, who is a famous Australian outlaw. But you can find out. You just Google Ned Kelly and that will sort that out for you. And I think the last example would be uh, The Drover's Dream, which is a song about a drover who fell asleep while transporting sheep. Again, it's very similar to, um, like, in a, like in, over in America, you have, like, uh, you know, have like your rangers, you know, they're, they're the rangers whose job would be to, like, transport cattle from A to B. 
that job was you know common in Australia at that time. So there's some examples of the uh, the bushwhackers. Oh, oh, the pig catchers love song. I don't know if they wrote it. I dare say they probably covered it because it is hilarious. But yeah, there's a song called the uh, the pig catchers love song, which is <laughs> a typically Australian <laughs> love song. I mean, oh, there's all sorts, there's crazy lines in that song. Yeah, there really is. <laughs> there are worse blokes than me, love, but they're mostly in jail. <laughs> yeah, listen to, again for for humour. Uh, Australian folk is beautiful for humour, uh, especially that band. Yeah, so <laughs> the Bushwhackers band. And uh, the last example I've got is a uh, a very famous Australian folk singer who is actually Scottish, but uh, he mo- he moved over to Australia. He explains it in a song called uh, "Do You Know Any Dylan." Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, the, the geezer's name's uh, Eric Bogle. And, yeah, he's written some massive, massive songs for Australia. Two big examples would be uh, Walsh and Matilda. And I think it's it's got two different names, uh, No Man's Land. And it's known as something else, Green, Greenfields of France. And those songs, yeah, they're both about World War One. That was one of the big times when uh, Australia and New Zealand uh, were called on and got involved in, you know, a war, basically. Uh, and uh, it's it's a it's a big thing uh, over in Australia now. There's a there's a dedication day for the Anzacs because because obviously you know it, it hurt a lot. The, you know the uh, the amount of uh, Australian and New Zealand you know the death count was you know it was I mean it was horrible full stop. But you know when you've got a country that hadn't been involved in any type of war and loads of people get sent off to you know do their bit, become heroes and what have you. And anyway anyway. Anyway, not not the point. The point is, it's uh, beautiful, bloody songs, and uh, yeah, they've carried they've carried a lot of weight uh, throughout the uh, folk community. In contrast to that, he wrote a song called Aussie Barbecue, which is a uh, <laughs> it's a well, it's a funny song, you know. I wouldn't say it was a parody. I would say it's just a very funny song um, about uh, a famous Australian pastime, you know, having a barbecue. Yeah. But again, he's a he's a big name. He's been over he's been over in Australia. For, I say that song. Do you know any Dylan? He was starting out as a folk singer in Scotland. Uh, went around like parts of the UK. According to the song, people kept asking him if he played any Bob Dylan songs. Uh, his answer was no, because he doesn't play any of my songs. Which I suppose I mean there's a touch of humour attached to that. You know, at that point, uh, Bob Dylan was you know the biggest thing uh, in folk definitely in America and he was making a big name for himself over here as well I, I say over here I mean England but yeah main examples I've got uh, oh a really good a really good Australian folk song I'm not sure who wrote it well actually it's two one's called uh, Life's a Bugger and uh, what's the other one uh, Australian Hot Meat Pie <laughs> see this is the brilliant thing about uh, Aussie folk music they, you know it, it could be you know, they, they could just chuck anything in there <laughs> chuck absolutely anything in there but yeah, so that's Australian folk covered. Uh, next, go on to the, the the big the big sellers, which would be uh, Ireland, Irish folk music. Oh, let's give an example. Let's give the best example, the Dubliners. Now, I don't care if you're English, Irish, Scottish, Welsh, Australian, American, wherever. 
if you like folk music and you've been alive over the past like five decades you like the Dubliners you've been inspired by the Dubliners we all have they are they are like the the, the um <laughs> you think folk band you think the Dubliners if you've you know if you've been following it for a, a few years anyway they are phenomenal uh they were started life as the uh, the Ronnie Drew Ronnie Drew and ballad band or the Ronnie Drew band because uh, Ronnie Drew was like he was very well known as the area throughout the area as a singer Luke Kelly he was over and he was very well known as well because he he'd spent time over in England as well as coming back to Ireland him and Ronnie Drew had like a I wouldn't say eh, well it wasn't really a rock but they had a bit of a standoff when they first met because uh, where Luke Kelly had spent a lot of time over in England, picked up a lot of like you know English mannerisms, habits, and of course our one, our introduction is uh, you alright mate, hello mate, and uh, Ronnie Drew was like, don't call me mate, and uh, but obviously they got that that they that, you know they they became good friends and formed uh, one of the biggest bands in the world together, and it it it, it went down the line to. Ronnie Drew Ballad Group, Ronnie Drew and the Dubliners, Luke Kelly and the Dubliners, and they they thought, you know what? Fuck it, we're all from Dublin, so why don't we just call ourselves the Dubliners? And yeah, that done it, that done it. And you know, like I say, the uh, the impact they've given on folk music is pretty much untouchable. And I mean, Luke, uh, well, the first member that uh, we lost actually was uh, Kieran Burke. He played the Kieran Burke. He played the uh, tin whistle again. That was the main instrument. Uh, I think he's, you know, this is the thing that, that they're all good on <laughs> different instruments. But uh, yeah, he was one of the first original members to that, that we lost. Uh, after that, uh, Luke Kelly. We lost Luke Kelly. And then I think it was. Um, I, th- I can't remember if Ronnie went before Barney did. I mean. The band have been going so long because uh, they've had different members come in and out of the group uh, throughout the years. But uh, I think a lot of people, you know, Luke, you know, but you can't replace the members of it. I mean, and vocally, the the Luke Kelly and Ronnie Drew, they they shared the vocals on most of the songs. Obviously, when Luke went, uh, Ronnie Drew took over the rest. But uh, I mean, the, Luke Kelly's voice is absolutely phenomenal. Well, the, I mean, the the contrast in of their of their vocals is crazy. Did Luke Kelly? Um, I wouldn't say he's got a nasal voice. I mean, like a example, like Bob. People would say like Bob Dylan's got a very nasal uh, singing voice. You know, uh, much the same as Axl Rose. He's got like a very. It's not a dig. It's just the truth. Well, <laughs> I think Luke Kelly somewhere where you get that uh, part. You know, with, with the nasal singing. Somewhere between that and the bottom jaw, I think that's where um, uh, Kelly was, and he could naturally sing through, um, na- yeah, naturally sing through his uh, sort of like nose and mouth at the same time, and he had such a powerful voice. As I was saying earlier, I mentioned about uh, banjo playing. Uh, someone, um, I think it was, uh, what's his name? I know his surname was Donovan, but I know it wasn't Jason Donovan. Uh, but yeah, this guy went to see um, Luke Kelly the first. When they went to see him, it was advertised as a singer, a banjo player, and he was expecting some sort of like you know some insane bluesgrass instrumental uh, on the banjo. 
Whereas, obviously, out comes Luke Kelly, and he's banging out whole chords on the banjo, which is a loud instrument, you know, and singing over with it. And it's it's absolutely back of the net. Um, Here's a song called uh, Raglan Road. That's beautiful. Because, again, that's... Each string is plucked separately, and he sings. He sings over with it, and it's oh, it's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you could, if you wanted to, like you know, you could search like Luke Kelly, and you'd get examples of just stuff that he's done, or you could uh, on the other one, you could just you could search Ronnie Drew, if you wanted to just hear songs that he's done, or you could just search the Dubliners, and you'd probably get a mixture of the both. Ronnie Drew, he had a very, very gravel voice. Very gravel voice. Sort of like sort of like Lemmy, but not quite as low pitched. Uh I think people would probably say that uh <laughs> he sounded drunk. And if he did, it's because he probably was. And that's not a dig at all. That is in fact the truth. <laughs> I remember there was a a story. Uh, John Sheehan. He um is the the last surviving member of the original lineup. Uh, they they don't go by the name Dubliners anymore. I think they I think he I think members that have joined in later on they they carry on now is like the uh, Dublin legend the Dublin legends. But the uh, the actual name Dubliners is not used uh, anymore. But uh, anyway, the point. John Sheehan who played the fiddle. Again, the main instrument. I think he's played other instruments as well. Um, well, in fact, in fact, I know he has. But anyway, not the point. Uh, they were out on the on the piss, and he was he's like the he was teetotal. He wasn't a drinker, and uh, he knew they were on for a session, and he uh, he slipped the barman like a fiver, and you know, I mean, this is like you know, this is way back when you know fiver was a fair whack of money, and he says to him. Uh, uh, if I slip you a fiver, can you like, can you cut the drinks off at um, you know, this time or whatever? Just say that you know you, you you you're closing up now or whatever. And he took the barman took the fiver off and was like, yeah, fine, fine. And uh, when a certain time turned up, uh, the barman didn't stop serving and they carried on stopped drinking. And he was driving the like the like the van back, and uh, he says to Ronnie, he's, he's like he's like that, he's like that barman's a bastard. He's like, he's like you know I've I slipped him a fiver to shut the drinks off. Ronnie Drew says, yeah, I know. I slipped him a tenner to keep him going. <laughs> and I, I say, that's, that's it. I, I love that, that type of humour. Yeah. That's, uh, that is like, that, that's the sort of band the Dubliners are. I remember there was this crazy, like out there, um, article that they published in the newspaper. Cause before they'd gone off like for a tour, they, um, they'd ordered in like all the booze they were going to need for the journey. And, uh, like the, the as I this this massive crazy list, you know, bottles of vodka, bottles of whiskey, fucking <laughs> gallons of stout, and all of this, and uh, they were saying, uh, the newspaper said this is the Dubliners for one night, and <laughs> this massive list of fucking drinks, and it's like, uh, no, not that much, but uh, yeah, as I say, I mean, both Luke and Ronnie had. Amazing, amazing vocals, amazingly shared vocals, and uh, and the instrumentals that the band have done as well are, are phenomenal. Like what? Well, obviously, as I said, I'm still learning the fiddle. I've just about got. Uh, it's called the Irish Washerwoman, and it it's good, but it's not 
John Sheehan good. <laughs> so it's a bit shit. Uh, there's another couple of tracks though he'd done which are definitely worth a listen. If you're interested, it's definitely worth a listen to. One would be the uh, the four the four poster bed and uh the hen's march. Really good tune. Really good tune to it. Yeah, yeah, so that's the um that's the quick breakdown of the Dubliners. Uh I mean folk folk wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for the Dubliners. And not just direct folk, I mean even in terms of, you know, folk rock, folk punk, punk bands with huge folk influences in their music. They are there, they do exist. Big inspirations from the Dubliners. A couple of examples, I mean off the top of my head, you got the Dropkick Murphys and Flogging Molly. And that's just off the top of my head. So there you go. You, if it weren't for the Dubliners, you wouldn't have the Dropkick Murphys and Flogging Molly. I just know that you wouldn't, because they wouldn't have had that inspiration from the get-off. And I've, I often do link folk music to punk music. A lot of time with the lyrics, you know. Like I, like I say before, folk music, since the since its, you know, since its origins, has been. A lot of the songs have been fighting against the, you know, the ongoing battle with the upper classes. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised at all that there's punk bands with huge influences from the Dubliners. I'm not surprised at all. The next example I would give for Irish folk, because it's not just the Dubliners. The, the Dubliners just happen to be the biggest and best, in my opinion. That's only my opinion. Again, as we're talking about uh, Irish inspirations into punk, would be the Pogues. Now, I reckon everyone knows of the Pogues. If you don't, <laughs> the Pogues, originally they were going to call themselves Pogue Mahone, which is uh, because it sounded so close to uh, the Irish translation for kiss my ass, basically. But, uh, but they, they, they settled with the Pogues because, again, this was um, at the time, you know, the BBC was how people were making them. You know, you, you wanted to get on BBC Radio one, two, three, four. Wanted to get on top of the pops, you know. You needed to, you needed to curb the line at a certain point, which is bollocks in my opinion. But uh, nevertheless, we got the Pogues, and I get. I mean, that was a. I think that was the first time uh, a folk band got that large, especially over in the UK. Um, it was funny. They they done actually done they done a duet. With um, they well they teamed up with the Dubliners to do a song called the Irish Rover, and it was so again if you Google it for the clip for the footage of them on top of the pops, it's so funny. You were about seven or eight members in the Pogues. The Dubliners have never been less than four people in their group. Normally, I think it, they were averaging around five, four or five. So you know you got these this bunch of drunks except for John Sheehan taking over the entire stage of Top of the Pops, uh, which is, uh, yeah, it's quite funny to see. Quite funny to see. Uh, I'd say the last big um, Irish example I've got would be a man by the name of Christy Moore. Now, he was in a band called Planksty. Uh, I, think that, I think I'm pronouncing that right. But uh, he, uh, as far as I'm aware, he'd done better with his solo stuff. And uh, yeah, it was a Irish guy that I worked in a supermarket with, 
I used to be in the warehouse and I had the Pogues blasting out of the uh, me little stereo. And he says to us, well, have you ever heard of Christy Moore? And I was like, no, no. So he, he lent me a, a CD and yeah, really, really good. I've got one of my favourites on the, of his. is off an album called Ordinary Man. And if you haven't heard, check that song out. Yeah, Ordinary Man. Because, again, this is the thing about folk music. That song s- compares so much with what is going on in the world. Maybe not. I mean, in now in a lot of places, because a, a lot of places are shutting down because of the uh, COVID in that. But prior to that, I mean, a couple of years ago, businesses were closing down. About four or five years ago, uh, Ford closed down, you know, the car manufacturers. And, uh, yeah, well, if you listen to the lyrics in that song and compare it to a lot of what's going on, it's uh, it, it hits home. It hits home. I mean, that song was written in, like, 1987, I think it was. There's a, a funny little quote from um, uh, Christy Moore. Was he says he will say one thing about Thatcher. Some fantastic songs were written during her reign, <laughs> which is true. I mean, there's a lot of um, uh, Thatcher-esque folk songs around, <laughs> which can be found. And uh, yeah, yeah, they're quite funny. So yeah, Christy Moore, yeah, definite, definitely worth a listen to. Uh, there's a DVD I've got Christy live at the point. 2006 I think and he's got uh, it's Christy Moore in the, he's got a lead guitarist with him a guy called Declan Sinnott and he is shit hot he really is right going to touch on some uh, homegrown folk heroes now uh, old school going back to when folk sort of like got its uh, sort of like revival or yeah revival why not as I say, you know, folk music's hundreds of years old, so it could be a cool revival. There was a guy called uh, Ewan McCall, who uh, was a big famous name in, uh, I'll say, as I said earlier, you know, when Luke Kelly was uh, lived in England for a time, he got to know uh, Ewan McCall and collaborated, spent time down in the local folk clubs with him. Uh, he, of course, had a daughter called Kirsty McCall, who collaborated with the Dubliners in writing one of the best Christmas songs of all time, A Fairy Tale in New York. Uh, Kirsty McCall died quite tragically in a, in a, well, in a boating accident. I won't go into detail, but it wasn't nice what happened to her. Any fans of the TV series Sharp, starring Sean Bean, you will no doubt be aware of the character Daniel Hagman, Rifleman Hagman. And he was played by a guy called John Tans. And uh, there was a thing in every episode of Sharp. Either there might have been the odd song during the episode, but definitely at the end when someone was singing Over the Hills and Far Away. Well, that was actually is John Tams. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think he's, his career is somewhere over the 40-year mark now. And he's got a really good... Really good voice, I think. I think he's got a yeah, really, really good voice. And uh, I don't know how well known this next guy will be, but I know I... I don't think I met him. My dad met him because he played at the folk club I was talking about before. It's uh, a guy called by the name of Jez Lowe, who is... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a northern uh, folk singer. Um, Very good. Very good. He, I say, I mean, he's been going since at least... at least the late 80s, minimum. 
mid 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 late eighties. Uh, still tours that I'm aware. Like I said, this is the I, I I love it about folk music. You know, you they they're not like big names in the charts. They're not like selling out Wembley Stadium or what have you. But they're pretty much playing <laughs> like throughout the week, throughout day to day, week to week. And I think I think the biggest um, English influencer, certainly someone who would have brought folk music into the public eye, would be Billy Bragg. I think uh, what was it? Uh, a New England was. Uh, I think that was the first big hit that. Got him into like the top ten and what have you, and he wrote a lot of uh, political songs. Like I say, the eighties was it was the time to be a folk singer. <laughs> if you wanted to sing against the richer classes, fucking you over, then uh, yeah, the eighties was the decade to sing in because a lot of people could relate. Um, I dare say, folk music probably did get a big, huge revival during popular culture at that time. Because of everything that was happening in the country, and uh, and yeah, Billy's done a a lot of good, a lot of good tunes, a lot of good tunes. Uh, can't think of any more big English names off the top of my head. So we'll uh, we'll quickly pop over the water, and uh, say hello to the Americans. As I said earlier, obviously Bob Dylan was the the biggest of his time. Of his era, he was the big name. Shot himself in the foot a bit when he went electric. Oh dear, was that a fucking hiatus? Yeah, because you had people like queuing up saying, "We come to see Bob Dylan, the singer, not Bob Dylan and the band." And uh, yeah, that was a. Uh, I think that I think that was a chink in his armor for a little while. But uh, I mean, he's still famous. He's still. I don't know if he still plays. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I'm gonna shut up about it because I don't really know. But I know he's still his name still carries a lot of weight. He still sells a lot of records. So, uh, yeah. Another one was a, a woman by the name of Joan Baez. She's a, a really beautiful voice. Beautiful singer. And, um, yeah, a big name in folk. And uh, a nice little uh, uh, nit bit of information was uh, a band, which I'll probably talk about at a later date, by the name of Judas Priest. They're an uh, English heavy metal band. They actually covered one of her songs. It's a song called Diamonds in Roughs. And, uh, yeah, it's it's fucking awesome. I mean, both versions are, but obviously, you know, the metaler in me, because, you know, to see, like, you know, one, one of the big bands up there, like, because Rob Halford, he's, he's, his voice is, he's got a real, he's got a scream, but he hasn't got one of those pain in the ass screams. I mean, he's got a, when I say he can scream, I mean he's got a high-pitched voice. You know, like um, I think his I think the note he could hit was a top C, or is a top C. I I assume he can still hit that note. I haven't seen them live, but um, yeah, phenomenal. And uh, yeah, like I say, both versions of both versions of that song are really good. Uh, they did a full-on heavy version of it on their album. And they also done a stripped down like acoustic version of it, but uh, yeah, it's really good. And uh, like I say, Joan Baez is just a just a beautiful singer, so uh, definitely worth a listen to. Uh, don't think I've got any more examples off the top of my head. So yeah, that's what I've got so far. All worth a listen to. 
as I say, especially if you want to you want to go back through the history of uh, decent folk music, that's that's the place to go. Now, I've given you the best examples I can think of off the top of my head. Um, oh, no, I haven't. The Levelers. Yes. 90s band. Uh, folk rock band. Cannot believe I nearly missed The Levelers. God, I get shot by that. Um, yeah, they're brilliant. They really are brilliant. Very lively. Um, I don't think they've done many ballads come to that. But uh, no, I mean, what they've... Every, every tune of theirs that I've heard, I like. They're really good. They've uh, they've got a fiddle player in um, in there. He carries a the lot of cool little melodies that come through. I think that's why I wanted to learn to play the fiddle, because the tunes you can get out of it when you learn how to play it properly. <laughs> Except not quite, not quite where I'm at, but um, working on it. If you've got any other um, suggestions comment in on them uh, go to the Paul H official YouTube uh, channel drop us any comments on any videos you see on there find us on Facebook under Paul H uh, there's uh, more nitbits of information on there and uh, yeah I think that's me done for now and in the meantime keep rocking to folk and uh, yeah I'll get the uh, Working on the next podcast for next week. So in the meantime, this is the Savage Southerner signing out. Ta-da.